Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Noticing. I'm your host, best-selling author Johnny B. Truant, and I'm here to help you give the muse the finger and make life your muse instead. In each 10-minute episode, I'll tell you how I spun something mundane into inspiration and show you how to do the same. If you've ever wondered how to write better, how to be creative, how to get more ideas, you're in the right place. Let's start noticing. I've been watching the series Silo on Apple Plus, and one of the key aspects of that show, and this isn't a spoiler at all, it's something that you know within the first few minutes of beginning to watch it, is that they don't know the history of their world. So the premise is basically this. There's this enormous silo. It's like if you were to supersize a missile silo, or I don't know, maybe that's as big as missile silos are. So it's this cylindrical structure that goes deep into the earth or and it's uh, hundreds and hundreds of stories tall and, or I don't know, two, 200 stories, something like that. It's, it's very large. And there's about 10,000 people that are living inside of the silo. And from what they know, the outside air is toxic. So they have to stay inside the silo. And there are all sorts of elaborate systems to, you know, purify the air and give them water and electricity and all that stuff. And that's sort of the core tenant of the entire series is this idea of these people that are stuck in the silo. They can't go out. They're afraid to go out. And there's this whole governance that is involved in the structure set up to make sure that everybody is protected and safe inside this little community. But as part of this, they don't know the history of the silo because I believe it was about 140 years ago, 144. I don't remember exactly how far it is in the past. There was a rebellion from a bunch of people who didn't believe the statement of, you know, you can't go outside. And so they wanted to pop the top on the silo and let everybody get out. And the rebellion was put down, but as part of all of that, all the records were destroyed. So there's no real record of the the before times, let alone the before before times, i.e. before the silo. And so there's this opening litany that's the one of the very first things, if not the first thing that you see in the very first episode of the show, where they say, you know, we don't know, we don't know what, what, who built the silo. We don't know how long it's been here. I'm screwing it up. There's this whole thing. We don't know why the conditions are the way they are outside. We don't, they don't know how to fix it. They don't, they don't know anything. They just kind of have to go on the way that they've been going on for the past 140 years or however long it is. And That means that there's all sorts of things that they have absolutely no clue about, and they've just kept doing because they've always been doing them. And hanging over everything is this umbrella of fear, because if they don't do things a certain way, then maybe there are chances for another way of living, but maybe they all die. So for instance, popping the hatch would, in theory, kill everybody. And there's this whole thing, and this is, again, first, this is pilot, so this isn't really spoilers, but people can go out and then they watch on a screen and they die. But there are people who think, well, maybe, maybe that's manipulated or whatever it is. But the greater lesson here, the thing that really got me thinking was what would it be like to have no idea of your history or perhaps a little bit more accurately, what would it be like to only know the history that was given to you? And then I expanded a little bit beyond that. And I thought, ooh, that's kind of the world that we have right now. Now, this is the point where I pause and I say to all you conspiracy theorists out there, please do not 
get in touch saying, well, yes, that is exactly how it is. And I'm so glad you're on my side and explaining to me why things are this way or that way down the internet rabbit hole. Just for the record, I don't think we're being wide scale deceived about our past and our history, at least not in an overt way, at least not in a complete way. And I'm not going to defend that point because that's not what I'm getting at here. But I think that the nuances of not in a complete way and not in an overt way are what I would really like to bring out here. I mean, stop and think about it for a second without, again, going down that sort of existential nihilist dread of, boy, we really don't know anything about our our actual world. Stop and think about the reasons that you do believe the things that you do. So I would say, you know, I know some amount of my history at least according to the books, but that's kind of the point of it, is I know that the I live in the United States. I know basic United States history. We were formed in 1776, and there were the group of founding fathers, and there was the Boston Tea Party, and we were originally a British colony, but we broke away, and there were 13 originally colonies, and all of this stuff. And then you could say, okay, well, America ha- ties its history to England, which is part of Europe, and so I do know a fair amount about European history, but that's kind of where it stops. I don't know a lot about other continental history that's weird or not weird or deliberate or say maybe something between deliberate and accidental and omission on the part of a lot of the education system. Well, I don't know the history of the rest of the world. I just kind of have this myopic focus. And even within that myopic focus, I know the things that were taught to me by books that were taught to me by articles, that were told to me by teachers, that were told to me by parents. And that's the way that we all know the things that we know is because somebody is telling it to us. Now, what I think is so interesting about the silo idea is that it's it's very contained. <laughs> it's and it's very it's very dire. And it's it's very much just this one isolated thing with this very large consequence that you have to stay inside and the air outside is poisonous. And Everything is in place to protect you. And so it shines a light on the dilemma that all of us have, which ultimately is, and again, the disclaimer against conspiracy theory, but I think that this speaks to overt versus either covert or accidental, is that the history books are written by the victors. That's kind of a cliche. And whether anything is deliberately manipulated about the past or not, the truth is that there are certain slants. So one thing that I heard when uh, at some point I heard this and I heard it as a joke, but I've started to wonder if it's actually a joke. So those of you who are raised in the South, maybe you can drop a comment. Let me know if this is actually something you guys say with like straight faces, because I was an Ohioan and I heard this as a joke. And that is that the Civil War down South was called the War of Northern Aggression. Whether that's a joke or not, the whole point is it is a perspectival shift between which side of the war were you on. And every conflict has that. And most of the United States history books were written by the victors. And so it's not put down as something that was aggressive from the North. It was put down as something that was a movement to free the slaves and change the way the economy was you know, positioned and all this stuff that happened with the results of the Civil War. Now, I'm not here to lay judgment or anything like that. I'm just trying to point out that there is a source of the information and it is not necessarily some sort of factual objective source in every case. So playing with this for fiction is, first of all, you have to recognize that your enemies 
are a lot more relatable once you allow that they're doing the best they can with what they have, which is what everybody is doing. Bad guys don't try to be bad. That's not a thing. They don't go out and twirl their mustache and say, today, I'm going to be evil. No, they think that they're doing something that is right for them or right for their people or right for the greater good. Or maybe they're just greedy, but they're not saying I'm going to be evil. They're saying, boy, I could get something out of this. And maybe that comes from a childhood wound or shortage. Who knows? So embracing the fact that what you know as quote unquote true is based on what you've been told makes your enemies more relatable. It also allows all sorts of really interesting twists and turns in a plot. Because if there is a perceived history out there that may differ from an actual history, then who knows it? Was it deliberate? Is it something that has been a grand conspiracy theory because you can let your imagination run wild in a world of fiction? Or again, looking at, well, if there's a conflict, then what are the groups around that conflict, but what are the subgroups, the people, the family, the friends of the rebels, the people who uncover a new truth? There's all sorts of things you can play with once you acknowledge that not everybody is necessarily on the same page and might not even be capable of being on the same page. So how do you reckon that? And playing with that, in my mind, is one of the great, great things that storytelling can do and honestly, kind of what it's all about. All right, that's it for today. If you'd like more, there's a full article about every episode on my website at johnnybtruant.com, as well as show notes and transcripts. If you find value in what I do, please consider becoming a member of the site. Just click on membership at the top. Members get extra weekly episodes of the podcast, extra companion articles, my current in-progress book, if you're into that sort of thing, and more, all for just a few bucks a month. It's basically like buying me a cup of coffee. If membership isn't for you, please show your support by subscribing, sharing, reviewing, all that good stuff. It really does make a difference. Thanks for listening and stay curious.